Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Just me this evening doing the Giro Rosa Stages 2 and 3 recaps. Now, if you want to watch the race, I think GCN Race Pass have the rights in a lot of locations. I watched it with the VPN set in Italy uh, to the PMG Sport YouTube channel just because I didn't. I do have a GCN Race Pass subscription, but I just didn't have access to it for that second. Stage 2. Elisa Longo Borghini for Trek was wearing the leader's jersey with a pretty slim margin over the favourites of Van der Breg and Van Leuten after that short time trial in Stage 1. The stage was a rolly stage from Paganico to Archidoso, about 125 k's long, and if a break didn't go, which it didn't, then the deciding moment was going to be on this Category 2 climb, 5.8 k's, 6.5%. Uh, it's called a Seggiano climb with about oh, 18 decays to go to the finish. And it was marked as a gravel climb, but not really a Strada Bianca climb. It looked like pretty serious gravel to me. And just before that climb started, all the favourites were there with just 16 k's to go. That's where the footage really firms up and doesn't chop and change. And Anna van der Breggen was actually driving it on the front. These are very narrow roads often in the Jura Rosa. Um, particularly in the region they're in, the very narrow roads, so position is important. That's why Van der Breggen was on the front. She was, I think, just a little bit ahead of Van Vleuten on GC, actually, because Bulls Dormans, I think, came second, and Mitchell and Scott came third in the TTT. Cecilia Trupp-Ludwig was there, Annemiek Van Vleuten was there, Amanda Spratt was prominent, Elisa Longo Borghini. All the favourites were right at the front. I couldn't see Nilia Doma at that moment, but, yeah, as I said, very technical, short paths and... After Anna van der Breggen finished her pull, she kind of just pulled off to the right-hand side. She didn't have many other teammates there at all, actually, um, to continue the effort. They were just before the gravel section started with, like, oh, as I said, 14 and a half, 15 k's to go. And there was a little rise, not still paved at this point. These sort of weird access roads, but still paved. And Annemiek van Vleuten attacked pretty hard before that gravel section had even started. and. Anna van der Breggen couldn't follow. Initially, Cecily Utrup Ludwig for FDJ, she tried closing it down and did close it down, but she looked in visible difficulty the entire time. Van Vleuten was really driving it hard. Obviously, Spratt's going to let that wheel go because she's on the same team as Van Vleuten. It'll be interesting to see how Spratt goes next year when she, you know, would she be able to have closed that down if she was riding for herself? Longo Borghini couldn't follow. And onto the gravel they went, and it was rough gravel. Like the dust that was coming up, it looked more difficult than Strada. It looked deeper than the Strada Bianca gravel where it, we're sort of accustomed to. And, yeah, the women were having difficulty with it. I'm not sure whether they'd modded out their bikes with, you know, the tyres that the men and women run for Strade because this wasn't really a Strade route. It just had one short gravel sector, oh, they call it a settore in the first 17Ks, then nothing, all paved, and then this cat two at the end. And, you know, if, you climb, if you're only climbing up gravel, 
you don't need to really change your tires to anything too extreme if you're just doing a climb and then you're not descending on it unlike in strade so yeah i don't know what tire choices they made but they all were visibly having difficulty controlling their bikes in the gravel and it looked very deep and loose and straight away van vleuten on the, and it was sort of undulating as well up this climb but she dropped a little off the wheel not that anyone was really able to draft each other because everyone's back wheels going all over the place and there was dust everywhere so van vleuten it was a perfect moment for her to attack if she can make any race a time trial and attack early then she pretty much can't lose i mean i said in the when i was talking about jura rosa stage one in one of the earlier podcasts i think i said van vleuten should be a dollar 20 around there for the overall she was probably going to win a stage as well i mean and this is what why that is the case is because she's able to get separation she picks her moments pretty well and then the teams aren't strong enough generally to in the last 15 k's mount a proper chase like bulls dormans or trek or fdj you know it's the leaders having to try and bring her back because especially when she's attacking on a climb like this at the base makes it into a tt makes it into an itt and yeah, we've seen we've seen this this script play out before. So she pretty quickly put thirty five seconds into uh, Anna van der Breggen, but she fell over, and that's probably what you might have seen. I know it was uh, being shared pretty widely on Twitter, etc. But yeah, she fell over. It was on an uphill section, and she couldn't get back on because it was like uphill, it was so loose. And that happened many times. I saw if you watched the full footage. Lots of riders were falling over, and I think a few of them were critical of the that level of road, or it's not really a road, that level of um, <laughs> whatever it is, gravel section being included in a stage race. Um, yeah, because like Van Vleuten could have, oh, she unlikely for her to lose GC there or have a real problem, but she could have had a mechanical, and yeah, maybe it shouldn't be in a stage race. I'm not sure. I like some gravel sections in stage races but maybe not so hectic like that but after the gravel section there was 12 k's of pretty much flat into the finish in Arcadoso she had 35 seconds on Anna van der Breggen visibly van Leuten looked cooked like she was foaming at the mouth like gasping for air van der Breggen kind of looked composed but and Van Vleuten was all over the bike too, just like thrashing around on the bike. But she kept extending that gap and extending that gap and put it out to a minute and 17. She won the stage, Van Vleuten. Again, an imperious performance from her. She's just looking even better this year compared to last year. Unbelievable. A minute 17. And Van der Breggen was chasing and she was losing time, kept losing time to Van Leuten, the splits kept going up, and Kazia Nubia Doma actually fought back out of nowhere and closed down to Van der Breggen in like the last 500 metres. It was like a slight uphill into Arcadoso. It was quite steep. A lot of the Giro Rosa uh, finishes seem to always be in these like small Italian towns with like a paved finish uphill, quite technical. I like it. I always enjoy watching these sort of races. That's why I like... Uh, the Strada finish, Euro de Emilia finish. But yeah, it's, it, a lot of them are similar to that. And Nui Doma caught her really easily. 
and then like started. I didn't really attack Thunderbregen, but as, I think there were bonus seconds on offer on the line, and then sort of pulled her for a bit. But Thunderbregen came round her as if it, she wasn't that tired, even though she got caught. So that was a bit strange. But yeah, anyway, Thunderbregen coming second, Nui Doma coming third, Cecily Ludwig, uh she came fourth. 90 seconds behind Van Leuten. Mulman Passio, a big gap, another 90 seconds to her. Fifth, Navi Garcia, same time as her. Michaela Harvey, shout out to her. She did well in Strada Bianca, I think. Top 15 finish, the young Kiwi rider for Keep Paula Carr. Soraya Paladin, eighth. Erika Magnaldi, ninth. And Amanda Spratt, tenth for Middleton Scott. Three minutes and 57 seconds behind. So at the end of stage two, Adamika Van Leuten already taking the leader's jersey. Anna van der Breggen second, a minute and 20 seconds behind, Nui Doma third, and Cecily Utrup Ludwig fourth. So, Norman Passio a fair bit behind, already 40, well, four minutes behind, and Amanda Spratt four minutes behind too. Elisa Longo Borghini lost nine places and lost the jersey. She was four minutes 27 back. So, already a decisive stage, decisive stage, already Van Vleuten going into leader. Pretty unlikely that we were going to see that change hands for the rest of the Giro Rosa, in my opinion. I don't, <laughs> I just don't see that changing hands. But on to stage three, a different, a similar but different stage. Quite interesting. Still a finish in a small Italian town from Santa Fiora to Assisi, 142 k's long. I assume Assisi is where Saint uh, Saint Francis of Assisi, the man from the Bible. Anyway, its finish was a 1.8k finish at 8%, but when I watched the stage, and if you watch it, that's not what the climb was. The climb was really an 800 meter steep as hell wall and getting steeper right by the line. I think there was maximum gradients of like 18, 19%. They seem to love these finishes in Italy. It's like the Giro dell'Emilia finish. It, and it's like what a lot of the finishes were that Voss destroyed last year. She had like three or four stage wins last year. They weren't quite as steep as that from memory. But, yeah, it was a, pretty much just a straight run into the line. There were rolling hills early in the stage, but a breakaway didn't stick. And if you tune in with maybe 15 k's to go, you can see that it's pretty much all together. Favourites for the stage. A finish like this was obviously Mariana Voss. It probably was Van Vleuten. If she could have got away and tried something on those rolling hills, but they were in the first half of the race, and yeah, she's already in the leader's jersey. She doesn't need to do anything crazy, so I think she was probably happy to sit in today. Other favourites were Sicily Utrop Ludwig, obviously. She won Giro de Emilia, as I said a couple of times now. Steep, steep finish, similar to the finish today. Um, and also Liana Lippert, because she... She won Cadellan's Road Race, which has actually quite a steep section in it. Not as long as this, but, yeah, she can obviously get over a steep berg, uh, Liana Lippert. And, yeah, a lot of Capecchi, Anna van der Breggen, and Longo Borghini also all have to be mentioned. Longo Borghini's won Giro de Emilia a couple of times as well. Um, but the pace started to really ramp up in the last oof, 10 kilometres. Ale, BTC started pacing there. Presumably trying to set up a stage win for Mavi Garcia. Bulls Dolmans had been pacing before, but not too hard. I think just, I don't know, it seemed pretty casual. The peloton was fanned out at that point. Someone pushed Brody Chapman into the grass, nearly into a ditch with about 9Ks remaining, but it was still all together. The Australian rider for FDJ. And they came into a small town, which wasn't the finishing town, with 7Ks to go, but 
every time they, they come into these towns, the roads will narrow, they inevitably go through some sort of archway or gate, and the pace will really ramp up just before and through the town. The road surface won't be as good or consistent, and yeah, the peloton always seems to get strung out there, and you see people losing position, and yeah, some people even getting dropped off the back. Bulls Dormans were prominent again with about 6Ks to go. They were on one side of the road, Trek were on the other side of the road, like two competing trains just going to the base of this wall and with 4Ks to go. It's kind of like the Hatter Dam finish, actually. That's a good, that reminds me, I just reminded myself. This is like the Hatter Dam finish in the UAE tour where it's just full gas into the base of this steep wall and then the sprinters actually go for it but not always the sprinters it can be like ruby koshner or um caleb ewan or sam bennett like it can be a really strong puncher actually can win that stage so it's kind of similar to that the the way they ride they rode this stage and canyon shram came up with about four k's to go really strongly bulls bulls dormans disappeared out the not out the back but they just i couldn't see where they were ccc started moving up really late they didn't really do much pacing until just moving up late, putting, I think, one rider just putting Voss right on the money uh, before the base of the climb. Sunweb took over. They had a really strong train once again. They're, they're probably one of the strongest all-around teams. Riding for Lippert, as I said, with three and a half Ks to go. And then they had it pinned. Sunweb and CCC with two Ks to go, going to this, the base of this climb, just absolutely pinned. Like you can see it on the motorbike shot. They're visibly going much quicker than they were at 12, 14 k's to go. The, the road was starting to narrow a bit. And then at the base, which I think was really the true base of the climb, where the people, where the women going for the stage win actually launched, was like 800 metres to go, maybe even a little bit less. It was still like being let out on the lower slopes of the climb, which was much flatter. And I think it was Lippert that launched straight away. Longo Borghini counted almost immediately. Mariana Voss was sitting in the wheels a little bit, biding her time. It was a really savvy performance from Mariana Voss and very patient, um, as you'd expect from her. Lotta Kopecky was there. I think she was on Cecily Ludwig's wheel, who was also kind of marking Longo Borghini. And then you've got to see this image. I think I put it up on my Instagram story promoting this podcast. It was with 300 metres to go, and they're on a gradient of like 15%. All like all five women spread out across the road. Then they were joined by Kazia Niwiyadoma, who must have been out of position or something, or just missed the kick initially at the base of the climb. because uh, she slid up and were and then joined that group of five, which was Kopecki, Lippert, Voss, Longoborghini, Cecily Uttrup Ludwig, and then the sixth was Kazia Doma. So all the major teams pretty much represented, except Mitchell and Scott. Annemiek van Vleuten had missed that kick, and Amanda Spratt and Lucy Kennedy as well. I think, yeah, they just... Van Vleuten probably knew she wasn't going to lose anything except like three to five to seven seconds max on GC and isn't going to really contest with Voss and those other women in this sort of finale. Anna van der Breggen was distant, so... They weren't even in great position at the base of the climb, Bulls Dormans, and she couldn't respond at all, uh, Anna van der Breggen. And, yeah, I can't even see where she came on the stage, actually. Um, oh, she came seventh, so she lost 16 seconds on this stage. But it was once again 
the Mariana Voss show. They went through this. They were sprinting through this archway. It narrowed them once again. The distance markers were clearly wrong. It started getting insanely steep. And Mariana Voss like came out of the wheel and just once she kicked, it was it was all over. Um, she distanced Ulta Ludwig, who had an incredible performance from her. Like normally Voss would put more time into other people on a finish like this. Uh, but yeah, Voss sprinted across this 18% gradient for the win. Two seconds behind was Ultra Ludwig. Another five, oh, five seconds behind Voss was Longo Borghini. Eight seconds behind Lippert in fourth. Van Vleuten actually paced herself pretty well. She must she mustn't have kicked too hard at the finish, and she just yeah rode, rode the climb at a steady cadence or steady tempo. Fifth, twelve seconds behind Voss. Kopecki sixth. Van der Breggen seventh. Sixteen seconds behind. Same time as. Mulman and Nui Adoma, 8th and 9th, and Mavi Garcia, 19 seconds behind, 10th. Now, obviously, this was a terrible spot for them to finish the stage. I mean, if you watch this finish, what were they thinking? <laughs> Honestly, having having them finish on an 18% gradient right there, it belies belief. Like, look what they do with Strada Bianca. You, you have the final climb and then a sort of descent finish so people can move off the actual finish and everyone was like collapsing over the line not their fault um and having to unclip and then they couldn't you can't once you're unclipped on a gradient like that and you're just on a full gas anaerobic effort you obviously can't just start up again so bit of a shit show at the finish line hopefully they figure out that you need to have a little downhill or flatter section straight after these pinches and it wouldn't have changed the result like they don't change the result once you've got a gap of two or three seconds you just it would have probably all been the same, to be honest. Again, Michaela Harvey, nice nice little 12th on this stage for a keep pull car, but 26 seconds behind Mariana Voss. So after this stage, no real changes on GC, to be honest. Longo Borghini moves up two spots back into 8th. Voss moves up to 10th, but she's not contesting GC. Spratt actually lost more time. She's down to 13th, um, five minutes behind. So not a great start to the Giro Rosa for her. I know the priority is Van Vleuten to win, but Spratt would probably have been going for a podium result on GC as well for her. So she's got a pretty big gap to make up to Van der Breg and Nui Atoma and Ultra Ludwig. Even, and Michaela Harvey is fifth still, three minutes 40 behind. So, yeah, pretty interesting couple of stages actually. Um, like a good finale, but predictable winners, Anami Van Vleuten and Voss again. Now, the next stage, stage four, and I'm, I'm aware this has probably already happened as you're listening to this, but sorry, I'm just, I'm on a bit of a delay with Giro Rosa because of the way the race is not being broadcast, and obviously the tour is on as well. Stage four from Assisi to Tivoli, 170Ks. Now, I don't even know if that's like, apparently I saw on Twitter that's not even permitted uh, for Women's World Tour. I don't know why it's not permitted, I'm sure women train that long as well but yeah uh it was a bit of a blow up on twitter i saw about that but yeah a rolly course once again there's a five and a half k climb four and a half percent 46 kilometers into the stage and then a cap three at asiano another rolly climb then a flat intermediate sprint more rolly climbs so i think a breakaway could go that it then finishes again they love their walls they love their wall finishes in the giro rosa two k's at eight percent into Tivoli, um, not sure the like, how undulating that climb is, or whether it's a, another genuine sort of false flat start, and then the last eight hundred meters are steep, like stage three. But 
I don't know, I feel like a breakaway could go on this stage. Stage four, people are a bit more tired. Um, there's more climbs to really split up the race. There's a flat first oh, 30 kilometers. I think a break could go. Van Vleuten, people might have lost enough time at this point that Mitch and Scott can let the break go. But, yeah, if, if it's a bunch finish again, Voss. Like, you have to pick Voss if it's a bunch finish like this. I don't know the result. Uh, and if it's a break, I I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not sure who would be able to, who would be going in the break or whether people will be on protecting people on GC duties. Um, and I'm not sure who's lost enough time. But, yeah, if it's a bunch sprint again up this climb, you have to pick Voss. But, yeah, that's the Giro Rosa stages two and three recap and a little preview for stage four. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I know I've done it as a separate one today, but it is it is better for the Giro Rosa coverage if I do usually put it into the Tour de France ones because people are already listening to the Tour de France ones and they'll keep listening. That's just what I found from the numbers. One thing I would ask of you, if you have liked this pod, share it with anyone you think might like it. Um, share it with any female cyclists that have... They don't even need to necessarily have an interest in the Giro Rosa. I mean, this adds a bit of colour to the race and maybe explains who the big names are and what their strengths are, so it might be a useful or helpful um, sort of introduction to them, especially if I'm previewing the stages or re recapping them. And, yeah, I've said where you can where they can watch the race. They should be able to find it. GCN, GCN Race Pass isn't too expensive and a VPN is cheaper if you want to watch on PMG Sports YouTube. But, yeah, share it with anyone you think might be interested in it because often with the lack of female cycling coverage, like I don't need to go on about that, I'm preaching to the choir, but people kind of get so dispirited they don't even look for it. They don't even think, oh, of course there's not a podcast out there doing Giro Rosa recaps. So, yeah, if you know anyone that might like it, send it to them. Send the link to them and say, here, Here's a full recap of the Giro Rosa. That would be much appreciated. And obviously, I'll try and circulate this. But I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you for stages four and five in the next couple of days. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 